Bring It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Good evening, I'm Clarence Boone, and welcome to this edition of Bring It On. Bring It On is a multiple award-winning broadcast in our 15th year as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African-American community. Good evening, I am William Hosea. Tonda Pauley is running for election to the Indiana House of Representatives to represent District 78 in Vandenberg County, Indiana. She has served as a state president of the Indiana Democratic African-American Caucus for the past seven years and is a member of the Indiana Democratic Central Committee. She has previously held the position of vice president and secretary of IDAC. The IDAC's twofold mission is to one, enhance the Democratic Party's inclusion of African-Americans in decision-making, elections, public office appointments, and party positions, and two, to promote the active participation of the African-American community to control its own institutions as it relates to political empowerment, international policy, communications, rural development, environment, environmental protection, and community self-determination. Dana Black is Indiana Democratic Party Deputy Chair of Engagement, Indiana Stonewall Democrats President. Not anymore. Aha, correction but she's still Lawrence Township Democrat Club member, Lawrence Township Precinct Committeeman, and NAACP member. She is also the host of the radio show Turn Left and co-host of the podcast Policy with a Purpose. Dana works to bring the legislative information Hoosiers need to make sound decisions about those that should represent us. We have invited both women and a young constituent in the background. (laughs) She's almost ready to vote. Uh, but she's uh, the lovely granddaughter of Tonda. But we have invited both women to come on today to address the many concerns of this election season, and they're numerous. Uh, Such concerns as voter registration, increasing voter turnout, critical statewide and national election issues such as voting in person or by mail, uh, and then of course, key deadlines to remember, and combating voter suppression. Finally, we want to know what the key races are to watch in Indiana. And with that, ladies and young constituent, welcome to Bring It On. Okay. Hey, guys. For starters, Tonda, if you don't mind, we want to get to you first, because before we get knee deep into the conversation, we want to ask you to first tell us about the Indiana Democratic African American Caucus, also known as IDAC. Uh, So could you, especially your role as president for the past seven years, what, what have you guys been up to? We've been doing voter registration and getting the candidates vetted to run for an office. That's what we, that's what our primary purpose is. And you've been overseeing that effort for the past seven years. Uh, And I, I guess, I can assume it's an uphill climb uh, given we're in a red state and especially with you way down there in the southern tip of the state. 
Yes, it has been a chore to get the chapters up and running and keep and keep them running. How many how many chapters of IDAC are there? Eight so far. And all through uh, Indiana, north to south. Just north, central, and southern part. Okay. All right. And how what's uh, how long has the organization been in existence? Since 1991. Okay. Okay. They came together. Ms. Yu Yu Carson and Ms. A lot of the legislatures, black legislators, came together to put uh, black on the on the ticket. We were having a say so about the ticket, the statewide ticket. So that's when they came together and formed IDAC. And they had a great big convention in Gary to, uh, I think, to uh, with the mayor of Gary, the woman mayor of Cary. Karen Freeman Wilson. Cary oh. Freeman Wilson. Yes. She ran for, they put her up the ran for state attorney. Okay. And what can you, uh, can you tell us what kind of progress that IDAC has has seen since trying to get African Americans more involved in the political process. I've seen more black women running this time than ever before. Mean in the twenty twenty uh, general elections. Okay. Okay. Yes. Well, that, that's encouraging. And now I understand. Black men are too. I don't want to leave our brothers out. <laughs> I hear you. Uh, I was going to uh, ask that you are now running for the District 78 seat in Vandenberg County. Um, how is your campaign going so far? It's going great. Uh, I have more white people backing me than blacks down here. But wow. this is the southern part of Indiana. But Sandra Matthews, who's the editor of Our Times, she's backing me wholeheartedly. Well, you must have uh, an effective strategy to, to uh, outreach to non-African Americans because the population down there uh, black to white is uh, 12, 12 percent uh, African American, 82 percent white. So you must be doing something right if you have. I've been in politics for over 40 years. Okay. I've worked on campaigns and I've worked for a congressman, Frank 
Oklowski from Bloomington. Yeah. Yeah, Frank used to be our mayor uh, years ago. I know. He was a great man. Yeah. I miss yeah. him so. He, I he learned was, a lot from him. He was sort of a individual with quiet strength. Uh, wasn't very vocal, <laughs> but got it done. He made us get it done, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's well, why that I not know maybe unions because I work with the labor presidents and all of that. So that's why I say I have more white people backing me than us black people. Down here, we have a crab mentality so bad. Mm -hmm. I wasn't born and raised here. Well, I, I think that dynamic has, has hampered us in so many different categories. Uh, yes, sir. I would like to think that we are getting beyond it because collectively we stand and divide it, we're going to fall. And 2020 is a, an election cycle. That I, when I asked Dana about, because she's been looking at the entire state and she's got a good pulse on things, Dana, more than ever, we need to be unified and coming together. Uh, we not do. just for the nation, but for the state. So, Dana, can you sort of give us a summary of the elections from your perspective based on your work with the Democratic Party? Absolutely. And so uh, I want to kind of speak to what Tonda is talking about, uh, about that support um, from minority communities. It was kind of the same way when I ran for office. You know, I had more support for from my white brothers and sisters than I did my black brothers and sisters, but it was for a totally different reason. But here's yeah. the thing, and Tonda spoke to it a little bit. You know, when you're running, when we when you think about how our state is is set up demographically, we're only as African Americans, we're only nine percent of the population. I'm sorry, you you're not gonna win a lot of races if you're only trying to appeal to one demographic. Um, yeah. even in Indianapolis that has a significant African American population, we're only about 26%. Now, last time I checked, you need 50 plus one. <laughs> to win. So your message as a candidate, regardless of what your personal demographic makeup is, has to be able, especially when you're an African-American or you are of another marginalized minority group, your message has to have a mass appeal to it. There is nothing wrong, obviously, with, with discussing and targeting the issues that are specific to our communities, because there are, right? There are issues that are, you know, spe specifically speak to African-Americans. But guess what? If you don't get elected, you can't do anything about it. So you got to make sure that you, your message, right? Yes, we, we want to uplift everybody, but your message has to be a universal message, especially in Indiana, to, to appeal to, you know, center left uh, Democrats versus trying to be, now I know everybody would love some of the progressive ideas that we see happening, but, and I'm not saying that we shouldn't continue to push for those things, but you got to get elected first. You got to count your votes. So why you can do anything else, you gotta count your votes. And that's not saying that you're neglecting the African-American community or any other minority community. You gotta get elected first. Well, to, uh, to be successful in Indiana, because I know we have an African-American who's thrown his hat in the ring for, for the highest seat in Indiana. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, Dr. Woodrow Myers, uh, one of the mm -hmm. governor. Uh, and he has to appeal to a broad base of support. And to your point, both you ladies, that to think for one minute that 
African Americans are going to carry any one African American candidate solely going to carry that person, unless you're living in Gary. <laughs> and, even, and unless you're living in Gary, <laughs> it's not going to work. So, uh, so that dynamic, it's got to be we are the world. So, um, yeah. But thank you for that summary because um, you have to have broad base appeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, we do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you, you brought up Dr. Woody Myers. Um, he, he is a, a, a medical doctor running in the middle of a pandemic. You don't think that speaks to everybody? So right. he has right. that, that background. Um, you know, he went to Stanford, went to Harvard. So he has that uh, a broad appeal. He grew up, went to IPS schools. So he could talk, to, talk about public education and what that means. Because Shortridge was not, I, the, the, the demographic makeup was, I don't, I, if I'm not mistaken, when he was in school, it was majority black. So it's not like he's unfamiliar with all the, the different issues, but being a medical doctor, he can speak to, when we talk about the issues that matter to voters, healthcare is one of the top ones. Right. He also understands what it is um, to, to, uh, to deal with businesses and how to attract businesses to our state. So his campaign, um, yes, he addresses African-American infant and uh, maternal mortality, because he talks about it from a, a, a medical doctor point of view, but he's also talking about everything that includes every Hoosier and how he can improve the lives of every Hoosier in 92 counties. You know, Dana, that's interesting uh, what you said about his medical background and, and that everybody cares about health care. Mm-hmm. However, uh, voters in red states don't vote like they care about health care. They, you know, it goes yep, back to you, that, that, that cliche, they vote against their own interests. Dr. Myers is polling about 20 to 60, you know, against Governor Holcomb. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, unless at this point, it seems that unless he can find uh, some kind of way mm-hmm. to convince people of the importance of their health care, especially in this pandemic. Right. I, I, and I don't want to forecast doom and gloom against the brother, but, you know. Yeah, he's having it. I mean, you know, it, it's not easy breaking through. I mean, even though he is the only African-American running for governor in the in the entire nation, it's hard to break through in Indiana um, and without being. And he's uh, he's much more polite <laughs> than I am. He's <laughs> you more know? polite than anybody. You, you know, and sometimes you got to be a little bit more aggressive and, it, and it's not his personal style. So you, a, a candidate is only going to be who they are. Right. Right, right. You know, I, I, I don't understand why Hoosiers can. Uh, well, actually, I do. Is guns, gays and guys. We know we know why Indiana is the way it is. Let's let's quit tripping. You know, we know we get them focused in those issues that don't even matter. Nobody's trying to take your gun away. You don't have to hang out with gay people if you don't want to. And you can pray to whatever God you want to, because all those things are protected in the Constitution. So people are just. I mean, personally, I, I would chalk it up to the fact that we have uh, significantly uh, underfunded and defunded public education to the point where we're not even educating our kids anymore. We're, we're teaching them how to regurgitate information um, for a test, but we're not necessarily teaching them how to disseminate information and what's beneficial to them. Hence why those that go to college and graduate have a tendency to become more liberal, more progressive, more democratic. Not saying that. Tonda, uh, if I had a question for you, Tonda, I, I um, you know, we're talking about those issues that are 
uh, that motivate voters to go to the polls. And in Vandenberg County, are they resonating with the COVID-19 issue? Because I get the sense that in some communities, they are getting behind certain politicians that are saying it's a hoax or whatever. So they may not practice the social distancing because it, they, it's been politicized. They haven't politicized it. And so, so we'll get that straight to begin with. It's been politicized. But do you see the evidence of that, say, in your county that uh, there's, there's needed education uh, for that particular is issue and that, that that also spins into mail-in balloting, uh, balloting versus uh, voting in person? What, what are your thoughts on that? That's, they are COVID-19 minded. Okay, okay. These people are COVID-19 minded, which is to say they protect themselves. Okay. And the stores and the businesses have done marvelously by demanding that you wear a mask when you come in to their establishment. Now, how does that translate with, uh, do you see a trend that more people are gonna vote in person or, or they're gonna vote more by mail? More by mail in Vandenberg County, I must say. We tend to vote by mail during the primary and during the general. We are pushing mail-in ballots. Are you getting any pushback on, on mail-in ballots? The Republican Party here is pushing back on us, but we have a strong neighborhood leadership program, which, which was started by the uh, Democrat Party here. So we have the neighborhood leaders that go around and talk to their neighbors in the precincts. But we have been successful in that endeavor. So, um, Tonda, can we pivot here for a little bit and go back to uh, IDAC? You know, I, I uh, attended a couple of your meetings uh, up in Indianapolis, and uh, you, you kind of had a, a robust agenda. And um, I haven't made it to the convention that you have down in French Lick, but maybe I will one day. Anyhow, my question is, after working with IDAC and making the progress that you mentioned uh, earlier, what inspired you to go beyond that role and seek elected office uh, in Vandenberg County? Because I was asked to by the party here and she was not doing anything. We, Holly Sullivan was not doing anything. Well, we want to be competitive in all of our races, right? You know, we want to, because you never know when a, when a, when a race could turn 
because the top of the ticket is, you know, somebody might be so frustrated with, you know, what we see in from 45, they may just decide to vote straight party ticket. So there's, if we, if we get, if we make sure we get people on the ballots and make those races competitive, then there's, there's some chance some of them might shake out. But more, more importantly, you know, it's, I think it's important that every person who wants to cast a vote has a choice. I don't, I don't believe any seat should be uncontested, even my Democrats, Democratic strongholds. I, I, because to me, democracy is about giving people choices. So, you know, if, if we don't have, if we don't have all of our slate, if our, our uh, offices, you know, full, then, then we're not doing our job. Now, to be clear, you, you know, people can ask you to run all day long, but it's a time commitment. It's commitment away from your family and friends. Campaigning is not easy. You got to raise money. And we're, if someone is asking, what they're asking is, will you sacrifice a part of your life for 18 months? And then if you win, will you be a servant for your term? So, I, 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 you know, we, we try to find, we try to recruit, you know, people that, that would be committed to, you know, our party platform and make sure they're getting on the ballot. And then we try to work as hard as we can to give them as much support as we can. But again, each candidate is, you know, giving of themselves freely, you know, to, to try to represent us in these communities. Um, is the money as a huge part of it? Right. It is. Right. Uh, Tonda, you, uh, you have a very interesting quote online. Um, and I read it and it resonated with me. It said, in order to be a good leader, you have to first be good, and then you have to be a humble servant. And when Dana mentioned about you go into this life of servitude, it's true, you're sacrificing family time, and you have a beautiful granddaughter you've been holding, our future, <laughs> our future state rep, <laughs> our Thank future bring it, on, bring it on listener, you know, all the good things. But, but that's time, and sometimes people are not the most grateful or appreciative, and you're and you're leaving yourself so much of you out there for the benefit of others, just to see change take place. And and if what is the one or two things that you want to see made better? Because we always want to leave a place better than how we found it. But what are the maybe one or two things you want to leave better once this whole thing is over? The healthcare system is broken. We need to fix the health care system and the prison to pipeline system. We need to work on that so that we can give the school system, the 92 school systems, the help they need. I agree. I agree. And and those are two top issues. Uh, if you just tuned in to bring it on, we we're having a wonderful conversation. Uh, the voice you just heard was Tonda Pauley, who is a candidate for the Indiana House of Representatives, District 78 out of Vandenberg County. And she's a current state president of the Indiana Democrat Democratic African American Caucus. And you're also hearing Dana Black, Indiana Democratic um, Okay, you corrected us earlier about Indiana Democratic Party Deputy Chair of Engagement. That is correct. That and is member correct. of the Indiana Stonewall Democrats. Yes. You were formerly president. Yes. And a whole list of other things that would take 20 minutes to list. <laughs> well, I, I'm no longer, 
I actually had to move because life happens, right? So I'm no okay. longer a, a, a PC, but I'll be running for to be PC again in my precinct because uh, it's vacant right now. Um, okay. Because uh, I didn't, I, I didn't get appointed. So, um, but uh, you know, I, I kind of want to chime in on that question that you asked Honda about, you know, what do you want to leave behind? Right. Because, you know, when you said sometimes people don't appreciate the work that you're putting in. When you become a servant, you know that you're going to serve people who don't even like you, mm-hmm. right? You know that you're out here trying to improve the lives of people who would rather just ignore you, walk away, turn their back on you. It doesn't matter, right? You're not doing it because you want people to like you or love you. You're doing it because you want to improve their lives and you have an idea of what that could look like through policy. And I think for me, one of the things that I really want to leave behind if I ever have, have a legacy um, is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, or how you get there. There's a place for you to participate in this citizen government of ours, right? You don't have to be mm-hmm. a legacy person. You don't have to have a whole bunch of money. You don't have to fit some physical profile. Um, you don't have to have, you know, multiple degrees. There's a place for everybody in in, in our civic civic engagement citizen government. Yeah, um, because I know, you know, we're nobody trying to beat down the door to get a, a cross-dressing lesbian to run for office. Not in Indiana against the Speaker of the House, but it didn't matter. I'm a taxpaying citizen, so I want to be involved in this process. So if I don't leave anything else behind, right, if I, if I don't accomplish anything else, uh, you know, that, that people feel motivated to be a part of a system that impacts them every day. There's nothing that they do in life that is not impacted by the policies that are created by local government, state government, and federal government. You know, um, as a former president of the uh, Black Caucus in Bloomington, I had an opportunity to interact with a lot of our local candidates. And I, I, I left that with a, a much greater appreciation for what they have to go through to run for public office to the point where I started giving more of my little pittance, you know, towards uh, uh, helping them to fund their campaigns. But that, that's the impact that it had on me. So, so I, I took my hat uh, to anybody who, who can, who's willing to take that on, because I know I won't. Why not? You retired. Yeah, and you, that, what are you just bragging a minute ago? See, that's the operative word right there. <laughs> retired. When you, you just bragging okay. a minute ago about how much time you had? <laughs> I think we have. Uh, we think we have our first write-in candidate on the, on the exactly. radio on show. Um, you know, I, I was thinking that. Um, you, you look at the highest office in the land, governor of Indiana, in, in the state of Indiana, the highest office in mm-hmm. the state of Indiana. Evan Bayh, powerful voice, Democrat, um, where he was on the barometer as far as Democrat or leaning more, he was maybe a little bit uh, right of center. He was a blue dog. He was a blue dog. Um, but yet he was, in, he was powerful and impactful. Now, it was it, it would be interesting to see how a candidate can study his campaigns or study his engagement to then see how you can be successful in Indiana, because that leads into another question. How can African-American candidates fare overall in statewide elections, knowing that they really have to appeal to a broader base? And, you know, Evan by in a red state, was able to appeal to many people. Can you comment on that? Absolutely. Well, first of all, Let's remember, Evan By ran almost 40 years ago. We are in a totally different time and space 
than we were but, back. But but how different was it? It's, it's very different. Every, everything is different. I mean, 40 years ago? 40 years it, ago. I mean, okay, so Indiana, Indiana mindsets 40 years ago. It's very different. First of all, okay, okay. first thing you have is if you look at the dismantling of our unions, well, our biggest base, our biggest base has always but been our, our unions, our union brothers and sisters. And once Republicans found themselves in a position where they can, you know, systematically make changes and bust up unions, right to work, construction wage um, laws and things like that, <clears throat> you dismantled one of our biggest um, constituencies, which is the union, which was a cross section of humanity in, in the United States. Right. So you dismantle uh -huh. our unions and that power is now diminished. Secondly, <laughs> again, go back to education <laughs> and how we're educating people. Third, we're in a very different uh, communication space. You, you know, we were all talking about this earlier. There used to be three channels, maybe four. That was it. That was even before Fox 59 was on, right? So you had basically all of your information coming from three different places. That was it. Now you can get information from anywhere and you can make up your mind about what's truth and what's not true. So although, you know, Gov you know Governor Evan Bayh was, was, was great in his era, I don't, Sure, there are some tactics that you could take from any winner, right? And there's some tactics you can take from some losers to improve on. But you also have to remember he was a legacy. His daddy was right, much by, right, who, you right. know, was incredibly phenomenal and in, in, mm -hmm. in creating, um, you know, Title IX and being a part of the civil rights um, uh, legislation. So he had a legacy to, to, to draw on his name. There was that. And, and I will say that he, he uh, everybody left a legacy with Kernan coming behind him. So, but also again, it was it was totally different. Now, I'm of the belief that our state is not a 70-30 state, like it's shown in our our state house. I believe okay. it's more of a 45-55. I, I think it's much closer than that because in 2008 we saw if we get the turnout in our urban areas, and when I say urban, our more densely populated areas, right? Then we can we can still flip seats because the last time I checked, cows don't vote, right? So <laughs> rural, rural Indiana, although they have their belief systems, the grass ain't voting. You got 800,000 people, and I would say about 600,000 of those are eligible voters in Marion County. 600,000 people getting to the poll? That's gonna negate at least half the, the counties in our state. So we have to get our turnout up. You know what I'm saying? Now, I think that Evan by, you know, I, I will never disparage because he was he was great by our state. He represented us well. He represented us well in DC. However, I don't know if what he, what he did in the 80s is going to be applicable in 2020 per se. You still have to raise money, obviously, and you still have to have a strong message. There's some campaign fundamentals that you have to have, but he never had to navigate Twitter. He never had to navigate Facebook. You know what I'm saying? He never had to navigate uh, mental uh, manipulation with data. So it's, I mean, he didn't have to deal with text messages and emails. Very different. Maybe emails, but not even, that's, I don't think they was even running campaigns. Very different. Very, you still have to go out door to door. You still got to make those phone calls. But, but campaigning now versus campaigning in the 80s is very, very different. All right. Um, point well taken. I was speaking more of the mindset of the constituencies in Indiana, and I, I think, yeah, times have, have they've been a change, but there's some things that are slow to change. But on the point of voter turnout, which is the answer, getting people to come out and vote, 
what are we doing? What are the strategies of Vandenberg County throughout the state to turn this thing, to flip this thing, to get that 600,000 swing in there to make some differences? What, what, what are we doing? Well, you have, to, you have to be on the ground. You know, you, you have to be where people are. You have to meet people where they are. You know, um, one, of the, one of the things we talk about when we're talking to candidates who are um, running in districts is make sure that you're communicating with your constituents. Now, obviously, COVID prevents us from knocking on doors like we used to, right? Or hosting, excuse me, uh, community discussions in person. Um, but you still have other means to do that. And if you, you have to still engage the community and you have to give them a reason to want to support you. You have to give them a reason why they, they should invest any time in you as a candidate. Just like you said, William, you went, met with these candidates and you're like, wow, you know, I, I have a, a much greater respect for the person and why they're running. So you, you can't sit back. It, it's, it, it's still tried and true. You got to talk to people. You still got to get out and share your message with people, however you have to do it. But now you just have to, you have to wade through the truths and untruths to get your message out. You know what I'm saying? You have to you spend a lot of time debunking stuff and saying, no, that's not true. I mean, literally, we're arguing over COVID. We're ar arguing over whether or not this thing is real. And 190,000 Americans have died. And how, we're how, how polarized, how polarized would you say Indiana is? Uh, how polarized? I don't. And, and meaning, and, and, that, and, that's, and that's a big question because I, I think the polarizer in chief has done much to divide. And, and the, the bridges that may have been established over some decades, they have been stressed if not torn down. So, I mean, and then you got to add that to the mix that a candidate has to yeah. play, I okay. guess. I mean, I, I think, uh, how polarized. So I think people are in their camps. I mean, I think people are, Tribal. they, they tribalize, but I still think our state is like a 45, 55. Okay. Right? Um, <clears throat> but you have to look at like, so the, the extreme right has their things and the extreme left, we have our things, you know, and you try to find, you know, it's like a bell curve, right? <laughs> You have less people on the edges and more people towards the middle. So you have to just um, recognize that there's, you know, a lot of opportunity to communicate with constituents about what they think they need when it comes to policies and talk about how you want to accomplish that. There's, some people just ain't going to never vote for you because you have a D or an R behind you. Right. I mean, that's it, just, it just is. It, you know, one of the uh, opportunities that we missed out on this year um, was Indiana Black Expo. And that was an opportunity for, um, if not 100,000 people to, to go through those doors for that 10-day experience. I mean, more, clearly more than 100,000. But we missed an opportunity for candidates to go out and, as I say, squeeze the flesh. Uh, in lieu of that, you talked about social media, um, but there are segments of our population that may not be social media savvy. Mm -hmm. But there, there has to be other ways. I mean, like radio programs such as ours and, and yours, uh, Term Left, which I oh, like to talk about a little awesome. bit. I know that. Thank you very much. <laughs> we've, been, we've been working at it for 15 years. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> you don't think I take notes? You, you think I ain't been taking notes on how this is done? Well, well, you know what? You anchored for us very well the other other uh, month, several months back. I'll have to thank you publicly for that. But 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 seriously, though, they have you have to be seventy-five new vehicles, new platforms to get the word out, as you say, because that's the lifeblood. If you're not impressing, if you're not uh, making an impression, you know, if you're not going to do well. 
So with, with, with say without a black expo this year, and that hurt in so many different ways because of COVID-19. Um, we, we have to be creative in our approach. And Tonda and Vandenberg County, what kind of ways are you uh, campaigning down there? How are you getting the word out about your campaign down there? I've got a Facebook page that highlights my pluses and highlights my my uh, endorsement. Okay. You have your platform on there too, don't you? Yes, ma'am. And I have my platform on there too. Okay. And I believe in Frank McCloskey's time that they know me from Frank because a lot of people still respect him and love him. That's why I've got the backing that I do, but because of Frank. You know, I, I'm sorry, go ahead. He believed in going to people, calling the people, outreach to people, and that's what works for me. I will uh, get online and talk to some people and I'm gonna have a radio ad, but Frank McCloskey's name still resonates in this district. No, Frank McCloskey was before my time here in Bloomington, but I, I keep hearing his name over and over and over again. Um, <clears throat> now, some of the things that, that you're doing for outreach and, and to get the word out about your campaign um, seem to be effective at this point. One thing you're going to have to uh, do combat with is the voter suppression. Uh, before this point, I think, uh, at least in my mind, some of the main things that we had to worry about was uh, the way they manipulated voting hours, early voting, closing polls, uh, relocating the polls and making it mm -hmm. difficult for people to reach it. But now we have this new threat, uh, which is also voter suppression from the, the, the post office, plus this uh, occupant of the White House is really going overboard to undermine the people's confidence in the elections. Mm -hmm. And so we don't know how effective that's going to be until this is all over with. But what are you doing uh, or is there anything that you can do right now to prepare for that or to get out ahead of it? And that, that's for both of you. The Vandenberg Party is getting out ahead of this. They will bowl people, take people to the bowls, and early voting, they would take them there too. Well, I know uh, from, a, from a state party uh, point of view, we have, um, just like we did during the um, primary, we did our best to negotiate um, no excuse absentee balloting um, as best we could. But um, once they saw how successful that was and people actually could use it, 
um, and there was no voter fraud, uh, and and the turnout was much higher. And when the turnout is higher, it leans more D, right? Uh, Republicans refused to even come to the table um, for the general election. They refused. They flat out refused. They basically said, "Listen, I would rather you risk your life and die than to be able to do no excuse absentee balloting." Now I know that sounds extreme or even high, uh, hyperbolic, but real talk. If you're like me and you're high risk, standing in line for five hours to vote on election day is not the wise thing. Now I can go to work and come home and that's pretty much what I do, but you telling me I gotta stand outside with whoever, you know what I'm saying? I'm even at work, I'm in a, a very, you know, socially distanced. My company is very conscious about it and everything. Everybody's not like that. Everybody don't use hand sanitizer. The fact that we are saying your life, well. If voting wasn't so important, they wouldn't work so hard to keep you from it. Right. Put it like that. Now, but I think now I don't know how much a candidate on their own can do to combat such systems that are being manipulated and maligned. That's where I think the party structure comes in play because there's power in numbers. And like I said, the state party is working on things like here in Marion County for the for the primary, they just mailed out um, absentee applications, not the ballots, yeah. applications. Um, and, and, and so there's, that's where the party structure comes in, because even though you got this clown and I know that everybody wants to talk about 45 cause he's such an orange fellow, <clears throat> but in real, but in all reality, he's just one person. He's just one dude. It's the Senator Mike Bronze and the, and the Senator, uh, Todd, uh, whatever, no, Todd Young. it's the governor Holcomb's that are enabling this type of misbehavior. For example, when finally Governor Holcomb said, oh, we got, we're gonna do a mandatory face mask for the entire state. Vice President Mike Pence makes a visit to Indiana and all of a sudden that order is turned, turned into a suggestion. Now look, I ain't mad at nobody for having the gumption to work their butt off, but but Mike Pitt should not have two jobs. He should not be the vice president of the United States and the governor of the state of Indiana at the same time. Why is he, and that's what I'm talking about, the level of influence. It, 45 is one person. It's all these sorry enablers who run around with constitutions in their hand and he is destroying every constitutional norm. How do you call yourself a constitutionalist when you are comfortable with the behavior of this particular leader? So yeah, he won dude. But Senator Mitch McConnell isn't on all of this. Representative people like Jim Jordan, all of these other people, the Greg, uh, Representative Greg Pence, all these other people who are supposed to be looking out for us are enabling this guy who is literally trampling on our constitution. So to me, none of those cowards get to have any clout anymore with me when it comes to constitutional norms and our America and what Americans want. You have ne- obviously you didn't care what Americans want because we we want we want our government to function properly. We want our, and that's not what's happening. And then you have all these people. I don't even I call them elected officials. I don't call them elected leaders because when you're a leader, you lead. You don't follow the Pied Piper. You don't follow the snake oil salesman. So these are elected officials. And I, I'm gonna be real honest with you. I mean, I'm, this is this is for black folk, right? This is our black radio, right? All of these are white dudes. These are all white dudes who's screaming holler about how great America is in the Constitution, but it's all white dudes that are enabling all of this nonsense. It's black women 
who are holding them accountable. Just like in Alabama, when Jones, when Senator Jones was running, it is black women that are getting them over the top. Mm-hmm. It was it was the black African American community in South Carolina that revived Joe Biden's election. But these white dudes, all of these people, oh, we're Americans, who the real Americans, blah, blah, blah. I, I don't mean to be all of that, but look at the Republican Party. And look at what they say they're down for, but what they're allowing to happen. I think they're all cowards. So, and, and, you know, the opinions expressed by Indiana's own Dana Black are not reflective of this wonderful radio show. <laughs> oh, but they could be. <laughs> so, Dana, I, Dana, I want to say something uh, in response to what you just said. Number one, those are all white dudes. I want to see how the, the white women are going to follow them this time since they were the ones that helped put this apparition in office. That's something now. Yeah. Uh, second thing, Dana, you, you need to come and speak at my family reunion. I'm coming. <laughs> you know, I love being invited to the picnic and the barbecue because I'm a sister. I, listen, when your last name is Black, you can't pretend to be nothing else. They slap the label on me. You know, I guess I care about everybody. There is not a human on this planet that I would not try to do something for. And I recognize that we are all humans in this thing. You know, but I am a black woman. I'm always going to be a black woman. I don't get to stop being a black woman. And, and, it, and the fact that I have always been told that I got to work twice as hard to be and work and, and, and to get half as much. And I'm watching these mediocre white dudes, mediocre, like, because we have amazing, brilliant, you know, white men who are leaders, they're everywhere. But it's these mediocre fellas, these 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 trust fund babies who have been given everything and don't feel like they have to work for anything. And they gerrymandered these districts so they don't have to compete. Right. They scare, I mean, look at Ryan Bosman. He steps down. Everybody said he stepped down because he's 30 something years. Right. At the state house. But look at what happened last year. Every one of his council seats in his house district went blue. Almost every one. Of them. Only ones that didn't go blue were the ones in Hendricks County. Mm-hmm. He's seeing the writing on the wall. Senator Jim Merritt, he's stepping down. His, his council seats went blue. They're seeing the writing on the wall. So, Southern Hamilton County, northern, northeast Marion County is turning more and more blue. Why? Because there's a population growth. When you have a population growth, what happens? It gets purple and turns more blue. It's real, I mean, it's just real talk. But again, mediocre, mediocre is unacceptable. And none of us should be, none of us should like it. Trey Hollingsworth, Representative Trey Hollingsworth, never lived a night in Indiana. And he's, he was able to purchase the ninth district. That just At a discount. At a discount. Right, it burns my soul. I mean, it, like uh, uh, Greg Pence, Representative Greg Pence, and two years ago, never even took a photograph with another human being during his campaign. All of his campaign material was with him and brick and mortar. You don't even have to talk to people. Yeah, this is unacceptable. That's why I say when I want to leave here, I want my legacy to be that this is our government. If we don't like the direction of it, we have every opportunity to get involved with it and make that change. We don't have to stand by and accept it because Trey Hollingsworth's daddy bought the seat. No, 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 no. See, if we don't mind rolling up our sleeves a little bit and going to work and trying to share our message, we ain't going to win them all. We ain't gonna win them all, but we can start changing attitudes and minds if we are willing to not be as cynical about this process. Because people want to tell you, but you gotta have enough money, blah, blah, blah. No, I, I raised $22,000 for my campaign. Nobody knew I existed in 2014. I ran against the Speaker of the House, the cross-dressing lesbian that had dreadlocks. Did I win the race? Nope. 
but I have over, I have a following in almost 92 counties. I've been to over 55 counties. Mm -hmm. I've connected with Hoosiers all over this state. And it's all about the love that I have for my community. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I'm trying to tell people. You don't have to succumb to what they tell you you can do. You can do what you want to do if you put your money. Anybody can really give you nothing. You got to work for it. Those other people, that's why they things are crappy because they were given seats. They didn't work for them. Now we all in a mess. Sorry. No. Sorry. No, 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 no. 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 I'm just glad. I'm glad you didn't drop the, the proverbial microphone because uh, I've got a couple more questions. Right. We're not done I just yet. About this thing. <laughs> uh, okay, let me ask. Let me ask you this. Uh, we 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 touched we touched on it. We we kind of talked a little bit about okay some of the strategies going on. This voter suppression thing from the post office, which mm. uh, we just got to put pressure on folks to mail-in ballots, to not early. allowing mail-in ballots, early voting. Early. Early, early, early. Can't say that enough. Um, on, a, on election day, the call has already gone out. We want you to vote twice. Test the system. I mean, that's blatant. That's a and, and will it be called on the red, will it be called on the carpet and, and, and indicted for that? Because that, that was, that's illegal. That's a but anyway, I mean, but so much has gone on that's illegal. Exactly. But, uh, but uh, the enablers let it happen on, on election day. What strategies do you have, volunteers, that will go around to make sure things go smoothly for those voting? And I know you can't give away all the uh, the kitchen secrets, but uh, what type of things can can people anticipate that should put their minds at ease as far as going out if they just can't go early or they just can't mail in a ballot on election day? What what, what can they expect? So um, I know our state party, we are recruiting uh, folks to volunteer, sign up, um, become poll watchers. We're looking for judges. We're looking for um, lawyers. In fact, I'm going to give you the, you know, go to our NDEMS website and you can sign up if you're interested in being a poll watcher. Doesn't matter what county you're in. Um, if, you, if you reach out to us as a state party, we'll get you connected with your, with your county parties because they're, they're going to tell you which precincts need to be um, in place, but we are actively recruiting people to be poll watchers, work in the polls. Um, but we also recognize we're asking a lot of individuals. We're asking right. them to risk their lives to be poll watchers. Let's, let's not take this lightly. We're asking people. Um, we also ask people to uh, request their absentee ballot. Now, I've already requested mine. I requested mine a long time ago. I still haven't received it yet. You know, I, I saw what was, was happening back in April when the joy was appointed. Uh, and I, I, I actually thought he took his time deploying his shenanigans. I assumed that it was going to come a little faster than it did. Um, but I had a feeling the goal was to slow down the postal office, which again, the other side wants to pretend like that's not happening. They want to pretend like those policies were put in place. So voter suppression is real. Um, the tampering of a, an institution that was in place before our nation was actually a nation. Mm -hmm. about that? You know, Paul, all these, we had the Pony Express and all these other means of getting communication across the water, right? Because King George was able to tell the, the colonists what to do before our nation was a nation. And because of greed and narcissism and whatever else, we, they are allowing this individual to dismantle this without doing anything about it and trying to uh, gaslight us into making us believe it's not happening. 
Georgia, I mean, Georgia's been horrible. They pur- they just purged 200,000 people off their roads. Like, oops, yeah. we sorry. Mm-hmm. They didn't a car. They didn't fill it out. We, how do you, if you're a registered voter, it's because you don't vote. Why do you lose that right? That's like saying, you know, I don't write for newspaper, but I lose my First Amendment free speech right. Or I don't go to church, so I don't get to have my freedom of religion. What? Get out of here with that. You know, so we have to be diligent. We have to, you know, you see something, say something. I know that's corny, but um, we're recruiting big, big time. So go to uh, indems.org, sign up to be a volunteer. We are looking for poll workers, poll watchers, and we will disperse them to all 92 counties. Now, with, with all good things, there comes an ending. This might be ending to part one, but for today, it will be an ending. So I will have uh, a last question to, to, throw, to, to offer to you both. I did notice in some uh, key cities where, especially swing states, and Indiana, for all intents and purposes, will not be a swing state, but anything can happen. Obama proved it, proved it wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, the NBA franchises have opened up their arenas for people to come in and vote. Now, have there been any grumblings from the Pacer organization at all on that? That may be a quick answer. But no. Okay, so, all right, let's go around the horn and, and give final remarks. Or, or are there are there thoughts to try to leverage that type of overture to the community? If not, then I well, get it. Well, you have to remember, you know, the Pacer organization is a, is a nonpartisan organization. Um, and so if they're if they're doing something from a civically engaged space, they probably don't necessarily want to work directly with Democrats only because they want to keep that nonpartisanship, right? Or right. they do they're working with both both parties, but I've not I've not seen that. I don't know anything about that. I, so okay. I don't want to speak to it, but uh, just just in the name of, of health and safety, um, because under under that banner, some some arenas will be provided for for overflow or whatever. There. If yeah, you, you got to get that there. You got to get down point. there and you got to pay for it. Now, with the, ooh, the two minutes, and, and then we'll, we'll, we'll let you go first. And I'm going to mute your mic after 30 seconds. <laughs> Sorry. On your radio show, you go and go and go. And I know you do. But we're, uh, we're going to afford uh, Tonda uh, so a few final uh, thoughts, remarks. And then we got to wrap because you all have just entranced us for a while. So, Dana. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Final remark, final thought. You know, this this election is, is so much more than what's happening in D.C. Um, if you want to see the state of Indiana to continue to move forward and, and have the opportunity to attract new businesses because the quality of life is here, then, then take a better, a closer look at the candidates. If you want your children to have a quality education, take a look at the, the elected officials who said, no, we don't want to give teachers any more pay, but we're asking them to go and, and hazardous positions and to teach our children. This election is more than 45. It's more, it's the Supreme Court, it's the judges. There's so many things at stake. I want everyone to understand the importance is not just the top of the ticket. Tonda's race, we've got to flip some seats so we can get rid of that supermajority so we can move Indiana forward with infrastructure, healthcare, environment, all the things that we talk about. Because those guys don't care, obviously. And Tonda, final thoughts. I agree with Dana wholeheartedly. She took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> I love you, we have to. We have to vote, not for the person, but to break up that super 
majority that's up there. We have to pay the teachers, healthcare, infrastructure, and pensions, and labor rights. We need to look at the candidates that are pushing that. All right, thank you, okay. And I don't think it gets any better than that in closing out a uh, an interview. So on that note, we want to thank Tonda Pauley, candidate for the Indiana House of Representatives, District 78, and current state president of the Indiana Democrat African American Caucus, and Dana Black from Indiana Stonewall Democrats for joining us to address the many concerns of this election season. Uh, Bring On has an open submission policy, so if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bringingon at wfhd.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African-American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address, once again, is bringingon at wfhd.org. Our show's producer is Clarence Boone with help from the WFHB News Department. Tonight's board engineer is Chantal LaFontant, promotional graphics created by yours truly, William Hosea. Our original theme music was created by Jamil FM with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm William Hosea. And I'm Clarence Boone. Tune in next Monday, September 21st at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.